0: Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation and you could find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, it helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the places where you can find podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. You can also check us out on social media. We are at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic. And as always, shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Calm. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the Ice Cube to my Mac Ten, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I'm
1: pretty good. I like to think of myself as the straw that stirs the drink, but I'll also be the ice cube. That's fine. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, it's nice and chilly here in Houston, Texas, uh, though we are warmed up by the return of the soon to be no jinxes. Uh, this drops on Tuesday, so very possibly soon to be. World champion Houston Astros.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, there's a there's there's a high likelihood that could happen if they play uh, if they play six like they played uh, three, four, and five, things could uh, things could go their way.
1: The nice thing working in their favor is Houston people don't know this was built on a swamp, and they've already shown that they can drain the swamp. So now they just need to do it once here at home after uh, after doing DC uh, pretty pretty well. So yeah, let's uh, this is now a Houston Astros. Uh, Podcast in case you weren't aware, as we'd like to talk about the happy sports.
0: Yeah, so it's um not probably not gonna be a very upbeat show today. We're gonna talk a recap of the the Cowtown beatdown mm. is what I'm gonna call this.
1: That's better than anything Orlando <laughs> drew up for the game.
0: Cowtown crap show is what I want to call this. So Texas came out, struggled, turned the ball over quite a bit lost to the TCU horn frogs 37 to 27 Texas fell out completely of the top 25. they were number 15 in the game they fall to the others receiving votes which is uh just you know it's it's perfect for for following what we saw on Saturday that just feels
1: fitting yeah, uh, the, the one you missed there, Gerald, was the, uh, the team looked Fort Worthless. Um, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I just, if you missed all of the hype and fanfare of last season, if you missed the We're Back and the Sugar Bowl, and you just watched this team this season, that wouldn't shock you. You're like, hey, they're a pretty good team. They lost to a couple really good teams in OU and LSU. They beat some really bad teams in Rice and La Tech. um... But they're clearly struggling since the second half of Oklahoma State. they just kind of you know poop their pants and they can't they haven't been able to go and wipe it out um, and and they just continue to carry that that poop detrius around with them uh, into these next next few games. That's evidenced by the fact it's not that shocking that a team that gave up 650 yards to Kansas, the the worst team in the conference, um, a team that snuck a, a last second buzzer beater against Kansas in football. Um, lost to CCU. If you're an alien and you just read the box scores, then it, it, it's 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 I don't know why it's surprising to anyone.
0: Well, it's it's surprising to me because if you tell me that Texas holds Sewa Olanalua and Darius Anderson to a combined, what is that, seventy five yards, seventy four yards, I'm like Texas wins going away. Right? Texas wins by thirty points. But Max Thug and Duggan. Looked like a world beater. It's incredible that Texas has faced eight <laughs> Heisman caliber quarterbacks this year. Um, we've got to start, I think, and this is such a weird game because the defense gave up 37 points, but. It's not really all their fault, and we can talk about it. I think we start there. So uh, we mentioned it Max Duggan 19 of 27, 345 total yards, 273 through the air, 75 on the ground, three touchdowns. The running backs were shut down. Jalen Rager only had 55 yards, 44 of them coming on a bad play. I'll just go and say it by Deshaun Jameson. That's not necessarily all of his fault. Uh Tay Barber was the guy with a big day, five receptions, 94 yards, but again, 51 of those came on a uh came on one reception, two uh two sacks, seven tackles for loss by the defense. Brandon Jones made me Pot straight this week with an interception. But it wasn't enough. It it's it's crazy to think that an, A defense who improves by nearly 100 yards week over week and by a score is still not good enough to win a game.
1: Yeah. Uh, Gerald, you know how many games TCU has played this season? They've played, they played seven. Now, now I'm not a math guy and neither of us are, are particularly math guys. You know, I'm, I'm not bad with numbers in my second life, but I, I started as a journalist, I'm not a math guy.
0: I took math for non majors <laughs> in college.
1: One out of one out of seven is, is not, um, is not a huge percentage. It's somewhere around 14%, let's say. Gerald, the the, the the number that you listed for Max Duggan there, Mr. Thuggan, Duggan, Mr. Ruggish, Duggish, Duggish Bone, three hundred and forty five. What percentage do you think that is of his his season total? Remember, one game through seven games accounts for, you know, just about fourteen percent.
0: Uh I would say probably twenty five or thirty percent of his season.
1: Thirty percent. Yeah, that's right. Thirty percent of his yards. A third. Third of his yards. Uh came against the Texas defense. Um they, they are more, they make they're kingmakers, Gerald, more than Eric Taylor on the cover of uh, Dave Campbell's Texas High School Football as the kingmaker because he keeps turning quarterbacks that's what the Texas defense is, Todd Orlando makes more Heisman caliber quarterbacks than Coach Eric Taylor like, it's mind-blowing the guy was terrible, we even got not us, but the Burn Origination account I believe got cold takes exposed for, uh, for saying Max Duggan really is bad at throwing the football And he was, because he was himself. And then in the second half, they're like, hey, why don't we stop running and start doing the thing that Texas uh, can't do, which is even Rice in the fourth quarter could throw on them. Just be a Big 12 team. Texas defense cannot stop Big 12 offenses. They had some luck, because OSU wouldn't adjust, and they just wanted to keep running the ball. TCU, they adjusted. Second half, they won. I mean, it's just... uh, I don't know, I guess getting people back and all of that, something will change, but I don't know right now, if you trot that same defense out 12 more games this season and nothing changes, I don't know if they win more than two or three, and I don't care who the opponent is. They're just, they're not going to stop anyone.
0: Yeah, and I I think you, you mentioned something. Like, Texas will likely get three key guys back after the bye, so I think this defense looks a little different, but at some point, You know all week who's going to be there and who's not, and if you're, and there's a lot of talk to be said that some of these guys weren't on the too deep to start the the season, and and they're you know that that excuse can only get you so far, right? Because the these injuries weren't mid game injuries. Like if if you have to put. Tyler Owens in there mid game that's a different conversation but you should you knew most of the week that Tyler Owens is likely to be there and Tyler Owens is not the guy I I don't pick on players and he's not a guy to be picked on because again that guy should have just not seen the field all year he's he's an incredible athlete and he will be a great safety I think at the University of Texas he made some plays he got better as the game progressed but like you've you've got to look better prepared for what and TCU made some incredible halftime adjustments. Like they completely changed their game plan at halftime, which is something that Todd Orlando seemed unable to do between quarters three and four. And I think that's the, that's the sticking point for me is when, when you know what's going to happen and you can't do anything about it, that's where I get frustrated.
1: Yeah, and not to keep harping, but it it does just seem like, okay, you know Tyler Owens, and to his credit, he was close, it was great, it was admittedly great throws two of the times from Duggan, but you put a a freshman who's never played, a guy who is an athlete more than probably a true cover safety, which I don't know if a cover safety actually exists against a Big 12 uh, offense, it's just offenses are so good now. they're gonna exploit but they just kept going to the well so maybe you don't leave the guy on an island with predictable zero blitzes or you know maybe you you scheme to give him a little help over the top I get it they have Jalen Rager and he wasn't on Rager but Tate Barber's a real good receiver and he made him look bad um so I mean maybe you help him a little bit there but it just didn't seem like he was ready to do that you talked about the preparation and it's one thing I do think the defense actually looked pretty good in the first half when they said, this is what TCU does. We've been practicing all week. We're going to take some blitzes and some complex schemes out and just run base defense and out athlete them. And in the first half, based on knowing what TCU has a tendency to do and what they wanted to do, they came in and they out-athleted them and their defense, the defense looked as good. They didn't miss as many tackles. They looked as good as they had in at least five or six weeks. Right? So then the adjustments came Patterson, who's great at it, admittedly earns his money. Um, with, with the way he he can, can change on the fly, but uh, made a halftime adjustment and our defense did not. Uh, They, they almost felt like they got confident and they said, okay, if we can do that, then we can maybe get out of kind of our base packages and run some more um, three and four man blitzes. Um, And it just, it seemed like Patterson went up and even Orlando went down. The defense went down and, and Sonny Cumbie, I know we wanted him as our offensive coordinator, and there's a lot of TCU fans after the fact who wished we would have got him. They've had some issues with his play calling. He's good, but we made him in that second half look like, uh, you know, just utterly untouchable. We made him look like, you know, a Broyles finalist. Broyles award going, of course, to the nation's top uh, assistant. But it just uh, they made TCU coaches look so Smart. It made me wonder how Chris Del Conti felt sitting in the booth saying, "Wait, wait, wait. Which one of these guys are our high-paid coaches um, who are supposed to be the best and highest-paid assistants in the country?" That's Texas's long-standing mo. I, I just, you can put it on the players, sure, but I think this one you just got flat-out coached.
0: I don't think you put this on the players. I think there there are guys like Jamison who who got ran by on a Jalen Rager touchdown was doing what I assume he was coached to do all week. Because a cornerback doesn't wait that long to flip his hips unless he's told that your number one job is run support. Like yep. he and and you know what? The other thing with that is two years ago, he's good enough to wait that long to flip his hips and not get run by. And so it's yeah. he's that I think his that that play right there is emblematic of the the lack of ability to coach in game for some of this defensive staff because, oh, they're not playing run primary anymore. So when the guy who runs a four, three is, is lined up on you one-on-one, don't worry about the run. Just make sure that guy doesn't blow past you. And that coaching was clearly not given. And so to me, that's inexcusable. And that's, that's the frustrating thing because they are not putting young athletes in a position to succeed where these young guys should be. Because you know what, Deshaun Jameson is really freaking fast, and I bet he could go almost stride for stride with Jalen Rager if he didn't if he didn't wait to flip his hips. But he had I'm I'm again this is me just based on knowing football and knowing that position. He was probably coached that it's run first, pass second, and that's why he waited so long.
1: You peek in the backfield, and you peek in the backfield with an athlete like that who, again, four threes 3 been, he could be a 4-2 guy, he's he's lightning, but it wasn't just Rager, I mean, we, we, we talked about Barb, we talked about kind of the whole team, but Gerald, do you know how many times since, or how many times in, in the history of Texas playing football um, in a season that they have given up at the end of the season. We're not at the end of the season, obviously, but imagine it, it ended today. Do you know how many times the UT defense has given up more than, let's say, 240 yards? Five. That's exactly correct. This this year being the, the, the fifth year, out of those five, the, the the two are in the 250s, one is 260, and one is 277. That's whole season average. Again, you take your, your Rices, and in a lot of the years we played wishbone teams. I get it, whatever. But modern Big 12 has been going on for a while. There are zero seasons where Texas has given up more than 280 yards in uh, per game in the air. If the season ended right now, they're giving up 305, Gerald. They are over 300 yards a game. They are averaging like an elite amount of yards on offense, and they're giving up more per play on defense. Like, they are just getting... They're getting whooped, um, and and I'm not saying that is just this. We're talking about TCU, so we're just talking about this week. So I don't want to you know blow it out of perspective when we talk about some of the problems we'll we've, on, we've we'll already do that talked next about. Week. Yeah, right. So, but it, it just it goes to show, and, and and I'll just say this. I had the flashback that was pretty, um, pretty terrible. On on Texas needed to stop. Defense was trying to buckle down. They got uh, to a third and eleven with let's say two forty five or. Three minutes remaining. It's like, all right, let's get off the field, give the offense a chance. I think at that point it was thirty to twenty-seven, winnable game. Um, they converted later in the drive. Two thirty on the clock. They have them in a third and fourteen, and my mind said, "Oh no," I'm thinking third and seventeen against LSU, and same thing. The line comes up. They're doing one of their fifteen claps, and we've already shown. All of our guys are on the line ready to blitz a zero-blitz single coverage, and it's very, very easy, even for a freshman quarterback who, quote, can't throw, isn't a good passer of the football yet, Um, was able to read that and convert a third and 14 that basically iced the game. So, <sighs> if I could change a couple plays this season, there's a couple things I might do different, but hindsight, you know, all that, 2020.
0: A couple of them. So, we do have to talk about the offense because – I will say this, and this is probably the only time you'll hear me say this. The offense put the defense in a couple of bad spots. Yeah. Um, the defense the defense took over for the offense four different times inside of its own basically 35-yard line. Um, so Texas put up 27 points. Four interceptions from Sam Ellinger, a career high, 22 of 48 for 321 yards, nine rushes for 43 yards. And I, like, I hate having to have this conversation because Sam has been so much for Texas for the last two years. Like, offensively, Sam Ellinger has been everything for Texas. And I think because of some of the offensive scheming that did or did not happen, Gary Patterson and his defensive unit was able to key on that. And because they were able to generate pressure rushing three guys, they dropped eight and there's not much you can do about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and they, they, they were explosive early on. Um, I think they had 275 yards, uh, total in the first half. So, I mean, they were, they were good. Um, you, you, you can't, uh, You can't say anything about the way they started, but I think it's just one of those things where, again, when a good coach, and and Patterson, if nothing, is a great defensive coach, when a good coach looks at a pretty good coach with great talent, which is what I think is happening with the Texas offense, they came in the second half and they outcoached. I I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but... It felt like they got out coached. Like Patterson was able to change some things up, um, was able to bait Texas into doing what he wanted to get Texas in third and longs, um, get them out of their game plan that was working. Um, and, and it just, you know, it, you take some it, some really good plays from Duvernay and Colin Johnson out, and and you know, it's tough, right? Like it just Sam. They spied him, you know. They said, "You're not going to beat us as much with your legs. You're going to beat us with your arms." And then they uh, they put guys on and made him play hero ball. And and there's a point when you say, "Okay, that's what they're giving us. That's what we'll take." And Texas used to be really great at nice long sustained drives. When you just give us, I mean, Colt McCoy air days. All right, fine. I'll nickel and dime you for seventy percent completion accuracy and turn it into seven points over seven minutes. It's a great thing uh, to watch. I don't I don't mind it. I don't think any fans mind it. I know we love the big explosive plays, that's great. But like let's not get away from being methodical if the defense is dropping back and baiting us into that.
0: Yeah, and and we've said it on this podcast before that when when an offense abandons one part of the gameplay, the pendulum automatically swings to the defense. And Texas handed the ball off twenty-one times. Twenty 21 times, 48 pass attempts, Sam Ellinger handed the ball off 21 times. And it wasn't like Keontae was having a bad night. He was having a pretty good night. Four pl- he was averaging, what, 4-plus per carry, like four and a half, four point seven, 4.7, I think, per carry. So, like, not a bad night overall, but it seemed like. And, and this is, I think, this is where I'm struggling because the Texas offense is better than it has been in a lot of ways. Number six in the S P plus, like putting up great numbers. The offensive line played better than it has in the last three weeks. But when when you run a short bubble on first down and the defense is able to snuff it out, and then you run into the teeth of the defense on second down, you're you're off schedule. And that that to me is where the pendulum swung to TCU because it was bubble screen first down or it was you know, like quick slant that gets overthrown or gets batted down or Sam has to rush it or, you know, there's a lot. But it looked like Texas just wasn't able to get on schedule late in the yeah. game. Uh, and that's, again, credit to Gary Patterson and, and his staff. They did a great job of out-scheming Texas in the second half. But, like, in a game where Ellinger's only sacked once, it's – like, I don't know how much of that is on – the defense and how much of that is on Texas's offensive staff, not putting its players in a position to win.
1: Yeah. I think you're 1000% correct and spot on. And even, even the, the offensive line looked pretty good. I will say angle out both our guards, angle out and Braun struggled. Those are our run blockers. Let them do what they do good or well, I should say, I apologize. Let them do what they do. Well, um, and it, Equip them, empower them, get them that confidence, get them blocking downhill on a, a couple. Also get the defense, um, you know, on its heels a little bit, and then they're better in pass protection. I think when you say the, the line looked better, it's because Chris said it looked pretty good. Uh, our tight ends blocked pretty well. Our receivers blocked pretty well after the catch. Um, you know, I, I think Braun and Angela were probably not, not great. Shackelford was a little hit or miss. But again, when you're when you're having... To pass 40-some-odd times and the defense knows it's coming, it's a little tougher. It's a little tougher to um, to give Sam all the time he needs to, uh, you know, to, to do everything that's asked of you when, again, you have guys, your guards specifically, who are built to maul, who are built to run buck, who are built to pull and get going full speed and downhill and crush linemen and give lanes for the running back. And in the first quarter and really in the first half, they were doing that. It just in the second half didn't as a fan I know it didn't feel fun as someone who covers the team I don't really take fun as an equation but for the players it it, it just didn't seem fun I know Kansas was like dang but they came out in the first half and the offense looked like they were still having a good time they look like they're having fun even when things weren't perfect um I, I want to see this bye week as a reset and see them just come out and have fun playing football again you're what you're an elite offense everything's not perfect your defense isn't helping you out but just get out there play pitch and catch flip the ball around and you know you have so many weapons I think obviously the one thing that hurt and I don't know how much we want to talk because I don't know how much we know but I think the third weapon on this offense if you're going to be passing the ball that much being gone really affected them I think Brennan Eagles not being on the field hurt Sam hurt his confidence hurt the defense's ability, right, you can then almost bracket uh, their two threats when you take DuVernay and Colin Johnson uh, and just blanket them and say, beat us with the other guys and, and beat us deep with John Burt, who I love Burt. Don't get me wrong, but he just doesn't have the hands to, to really be that threat. Beat us deep with Jake Smith, who's having a little bit of freshman aggression, which I think is is, is fair. You know, beat us with a tight end out of the slot going deep because we're, we're really, you know, jumping the underneath routes. That's not our strength. Um, they... They called Texas's bluff and they called it well.
0: Yeah, and, and we don't really know the ins and outs of the Brendan Eagles situation. He missed Tuesday practice due to personal reasons, kind of did not go to some team events. There's all sorts of 995ers saying what did and did not transpire when nobody actually knows. Uh, but Herman benched him, which is a Herman thing to do. It's a very Tom Herman thing to do is to bench a guy. And that's on brand for Tom Herman. But it did change what this offense is able to do because Brendan Eagles is a one-on-one threat. Brendan Eagles has more explosive plays this year than Texas had all last year. So that does change that. And again, we are John Burt fans, but John Burt is not the deep threat that Brendan Eagles is at this point. And Jake Smith has had some, some weird stuff happen. I don't know. He just, his body language was off. he, he kind of dropped a surefire touchdown. Ellinger led him maybe a little too much. I'm not sure what happened there, but it kind of bounced off his fingertips, and that that definitely would have been seven points for Texas. So I just, and then an interception immediately
1: weird. after that. The next play was an interception. So you know, just a yeah. a huge swing of momentum. Yeah, sorry.
0: Which I think TCU scored a field, uh, kicked a field goal after that. So that's a ten point swing yep. right there. Yep. So so it's again ten point game, ten point swing. Uh, so the, it's just. That's super weird and then I mean the red zone stuff, Texas is still one of the best red zone teams in the country, uh, but they came away with field goals instead of touchdowns uncharacteristically in two of their four red zones they're four or five from the red zone but kicked two kicked three field goals missed one and made two. so right there that's 11 points. Right. So like that's a there's just a lot that happened where you can see the points that Texas left on the field that it's super infuriating that this is an extremely winnable game and Texas comes out with a loss.
1: Yeah. I mean, just just to put a fine point on it. Eagles had his career high in catches in six last week. So, I mean, you just take six more catches and put them on on Sam's stats. And I guarantee you there's there's a few more points on the board. Right. You you you, you open up at that point. You know, Colin Johnson getting one more look where he's you know he's got he's got not a second guy on him and has a chance. Fair fair play to Glad- Gladney who really did a great job hanging with him even though he's shorter. Gladney looks like an NFL guy, strong. Did you, say,
0: did you say hanging hanging with him or hanging on it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's how defenses are going to play Colin Johnson. Hey, you're tall, so I'm going to tackle you. Let's see how many times Make the refs call, call it. it. Yeah, and, and it's worked right until the Big Twelve refs say, hey, there's you know there's a guy who's really big. And really fast, and teams are, you know, trying to neutralize that advantage. So we have to do something about it. It's going to keep happening, but, you know, I just think maybe, you know, he gets another catch in there. Hey, maybe, you know, uh, they they drop two more guys out of the box, and we run the ball, eh, say four more times with Roshan, and and, and four more times with Keontae, get him twenty carries. All of a sudden, this whole offense looks quite a bit different. I'm not blaming it on one guy, and don't hear me say that whatsoever. But I'm saying that loss of production, your tight end going out and being hurt, that loss of production, you basically lost two guys out of your four that you put out on every series on your package. That That's going to take a toll. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the offense.
0: We'll see what the offense looks like after the bye week. We saw Cade Brewer is likely done for the year after having surgery to repair an ankle injury. Ryan Bushevsky done for the year likely as well after having a broken clavicle on a fake punt that Texas ended up giving the ball back to TCU just a few plays later. So he's likely done, but the tough Aussie came out, punted one more time before having to leave the game. Uh, There's a lot to be said. Texas goes into a bye week uh, before welcoming in, the world beating Kansas state Jayhawks to Austin. So we'll be back. We'll do uh, our basketball preview this Thursday in the preview spot. We'll look at the remainder of the year next Tuesday in our recap spot. And then we'll obviously preview Kansas state next Thursday, but now's a part of the show where we give some shine to the teams that don't necessarily get all the shine they deserve. And we down, The 40. Kyle, not everything is falling apart. Our pets' heads aren't completely coming off on the 40 acres. All is right in the Big 12 volleyball world as the number one newly minted as of Monday, Texas volleyball, swept the pretenders from the throne. The Baylor Bears are no more. They also threw in a sweep of the Kansas Jayhawks to have a quite, I'm just going to say it, the most successful week in Texas sports thus far this academic year.
1: Absolutely, and the 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 Stannis Baratheons of Baylor were, were never uh, were never meant for the throne. They uh, they they truly just you know tried to claim it by being in proximity to to Austin, Texas. Um, but no, no, the rightful heir resumed the throne uh, from the usurpers and uh, and, and and brought. Fire and dragons and spikes and blocks and, and point Texas's with them. It was it was beautiful. Um, Breon Butler is is a champ. The Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. 12 kills, 8 blocks. Um, Skylar Fields, someone who you're going to hear a lot on this podcast for the next four years. That's right, folks. We're doing this for a long time. Um, you know, Texas deserves to have ones next to their team's names. We've said before in this podcast... A, you don't define yourself how good you are by how good your football team is. That's, you, don't design, you don't define yourself by how good anything that you root for is. That doesn't make you a good or bad person. B, we don't define the overall success of our athletic program by a singular sport. So that said, let's keep rolling.
0: The words of the house Texas volleyball point texas
1: number two women's golf
0: is competing in the white sands invitational and they lead at the end of the first day after shooting 12 under on the day not to be outdone too poorly too well i don't know what i what i was trying to say there i'm a podcaster the number 18 men's golf team leads at the east lake cup after their first day shooting 10 under in the opening round men's tennis Decided they wanted to do something to Baylor as well. Yuya Ito and Christian Sisgaard won the doubles at the ITA Texas Regionals over the Bears. Come on, fellas. And as we've said already, the only way to stop a Tarati is with another Tarotti. Noted. Bianca Tarati won the singles at the HEB Women's Pro Tennis Open, beating her twin sister, Anna in what they called three marathon sets. Kyle, it's time to Tarati.
1: Uh, we will come up folks. I know you're waiting for it. We will have a song for you in the, in the coming weeks about how to, uh, how to do the Tarati, um, do the Tarati. So to just wait, maybe a music video, who knows? Um, but, but it is documented. It is known only way to stop a Tarati, another Tarati.
0: Is Sheck Wes available? Cause I feel like this is, if we can get him to do Tarati Tarati to the tune of Mo Bamba, that would slap Kyle
1: to Roddy, and there's two of them tell somebody dit, dit, and I try to get the cert. Okay, I'm done. That's it. Um, that's, that's all
0: we have. <laughs> we, and I don't know where to go from that. So let's just let's just keep this thing moving. Now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics. Sheck West and Big Bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz Kyle what are you banging the drum on this week
1: Gerald you talked about it being the best week in 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 sports i mean it, it, you're you're not wrong um you take football out of the equation and what a beautiful what a beautiful uh week of you just recapped of going on but there there was a big 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 event Gerald we we uh i've been talking about the astros i'm in a championship mood we talked about torardi's winning we talked about you know Itto every week out here winning. We don't talk enough about the champion, the reigning champions until they are told otherwise. Confetti streaming everywhere. That's right. The listeners are saying it. They're saying, just say it, Kyle. They're shouting it. They're shouting it right now. The anticipation's killing them. It's banner season, Gerald. It's banner season. College Football and SB Nation's will be ran as bannersociety.com. But we're talking about banner Season, All right? If you go to the Frank Irwin Center today, you see the typical, you know, numbers, names hanging in the rafters. You see one, this is 1978. Everyone knows the story of 1978. We went in detail. Great team, colorful. Read any stories you want. It's great. On that same banner, Gerald, as of today, at least when it was noticed, um, there's another set of numbers under 1978. That's right, folks. I am talking about your... NIT champion basketball team, and I'm not talking about three on three. No, I'm not talking about WNBA champion Ariel Atkins. I'm talking about the NIT champion, Shaka Smart champion, Texas men's basketball program unfurled from the rafters. No shame. We wear it with pride. NIT champs. What does it mean? Not in the tournament. And they were the champs of that tournament, and forever it's enshrined. 1978 and 2019, and Gerald, it's a beautiful—
0: Officially commemorating being the 66th best best team last year, the National Invitational Tournament champions. I love it. So I'm banging the drum this week on uh, a guy who's not even on campus yet. There was a lot of negative news in recruiting. Texas had a couple of big decommits this last week, but some big positive news came out of the 2021 class. So 2021 offensive lineman Hayden Connor, you and I talked about it when he picked up his offer, he mentioned and added the UT aerospace program when Texas offered him in the offseason. And now Hayden Connor officially has been accepted into the NASA high school aerospace scholars program, which is just ridiculous because again, as I've noted already on this show, I took math for non majors. This is a, this is an athlete that is a top tier athlete. Like, highly coveted player in the state of Texas who also decided to go to the university of Texas, not just because of what Herb hand is doing with those linemen, but because of what the UT engineering program is doing to those mindmen, is what we're going to call them. So it's truly, truly an all around program. And I just love seeing and highlighting uh, when the student is just as big as the athlete in student athlete.
1: That's, that's beautiful, Gerald. I, I I think we both had very, um huge bang the drums this week. I don't know which one will have a greater longer lasting impact on the the earth, but you know Hayden connor is the is trying to be the national champion of space, which u s a has long been the next great American astronaut and certainly the biggest.
0: We're putting people back on the moon, apparently, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on twitter at. Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas pre on Twitter at Texas pre-gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am
0: at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod. Join the official Ruckers uh, Twitter account following us on Twitter. <laughs> now, officially we're going to get some burgers out of this. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time,
1: hook them. Hook them. We still love you. Chris Del Conte. We're so sorry.